Welcome to Geek Vibes Live. I'm Jason Inman, and you're listening to Geek Vibes. It's geeky, and it's vibey. It's awesome. You're right, Jason. It is awesome. Hey, guys out there. (laughs) This is another episode of Geek Vibes Live, where you guys come to us for information about movies, television, and everything geek-related. It's your wonderful friend, Dane. Um... And uh, we have another enticing episode for you. So instead of me just rambling on about nonsense, why don't I introduce you to the panel tonight? Uh, of course, we have our wonderful, uh, you know, friend of the show who's a douchebag actually in real life. Jawan, how's it going? I told everyone you're a douchebag. Hi, and just so you guys know, um, I am a douchebag. Well, as long as we you already admit that. Uh, <laughs> well, since you speak... So they spoke, I should say, uh, that we also have the classy Kanan. How's it going, Kanan? Have you threatened um, anyone lately, like a grandmother, child? I don't threaten elderly people because I have more respect for elderly people than I do other people. But uh, I wish Joel was on the show so I could tell him to fuck off. Uh, but other than God, that, no. I, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually in a really good mood seeing as how uh, my balls got thumped by Georgia this afternoon, so normally I'd be irate, but hopefully Butch Jones will be fired and all will be right in the land of Tennessee. Well, I'm sure Nick's happy about something related to that. I don't even uh, know where to go from that. Um, I, guess, I guess we should, before you even go any further, Dane, I guess we should point out uh, there is no Joel tonight, um, so he can't defend himself. But, yeah, if he was on... We would love to hear Kanan tell him to uh, whatever Kanan said. But, yeah, so there's no Joel tonight, guys, but sorry. Continue, then. Yeah, just just roast Joel tonight instead. Uh, we also have the lovely Caitlin. How are you doing in Alaska, dear? I'm doing very well. And as a former, well, not former Kentuckian, I was born, born and bred Kentuckian, Kanan ain't nothing ever been right in the land of Tennessee. I'm going to just say that right now and get it out of the way. And uh, everything is great here. It is 4 o'clock. It is sunny and beautiful out, and it's fall, and there are a lot of colors. So, And I'm quilting because I'm old. Kanan, you respect vamp- old people. So. And I've been oh, watching man. Dick Van Dyke. Uh, so she's watching Dick Van Dyke. The vampires will be coming soon together because she has no sunlight. That's how we think of Alaska. Anyways, we also have yeah. Nick. Uh, Nick, did you stop watching college football enough to come on our show? Uh, yes, uh, Georgia had a afternoon game today, so I am able to uh, grace you with my appearance. Uh, I'm going to sound very chauvinistic <laughs> right now. And um, glory, glory to all Georgia and to hell with Tennessee. Yep. All right. And our last right. person, our guest tonight, uh, Daniel. Uh, how you doing, buddy? He does hey, our YouTube bad, stuff, people. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the plug. Uh, yeah, just uh, ready to talk about movies, television, all that kind of stuff. So, do it. All right. Well, let's get right into things, guys. All right. So, uh, this thing called the Justice League. I, I don't know what the hell this is. It's the fourth official theatrical trailer that we're waiting for. 
I guess. I don't really need another one. The third. And if it was the third, okay, this is the third. Um, you know, but apparently we're getting another one. Uh, there's some speculation involved of, of when the release date is. Uh, a lot of people assumed that it was going to be at the New York Comic Con uh, release, and now there's reports going around that it's going to be right before Blade Runner. Um, so, basically, what do you guys think about this trailer? Um, do you guys really need to see it, I should say? Or are you trying to avoid any more, um, you know, video footage beforehand? I'm basically just personally scared about the BBS incident where we get a trailer that's going to reveal way too much. I kind of have that perspective when it comes to trailers. Now, uh, Kanan, I think you're the best person to ask first about this. How do you feel about the trailer? I'm so glad you, you started off with this tonight. Uh, uh, what do I think? I think? I think, honestly, yes, we really do need a third trailer because we need to see just how much of this movie's changed from the first two trailers we've gotten. Because from a lot of the recent screenings, from what people have said, I don't know if it's 100% true, but from what I've read and what uh, I've been told is that uh, the movie, the trailers we've seen so far, a lot of the scenes are not in the movie. The, in the, re- the two trailers we saw, a lot of the scenes are, are not in there. So I really want, I think we really do need to see a third trailer. Uh, but if we see the third trailer and the movie looks different, or you know maybe some of the scenes that we thought we saw have changed or have been taken out, you know, what's that going to do to the fan base? Are they going to riot? Are they going to, you know, is this going to divide fans and make people even more or less interested in it? I don't know. But I, we're definitely going to get a third trailer. That's usually how it goes. I think there's even supposed to be one more Thor trailer, and that would make how many for them? Three. Three or four? Three. One, three. Another to be the third for Thor? Drop. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so yeah, so we're – so, I mean, usually that's uh, – yeah, I agree with you, Dane, uh, but they've done really good, the first two trailers uh, for Justice League. I think they learned, uh, even with Wonder Woman, if it wasn't for a couple of news sites spoiling who Ares was. Uh, I don't even think we saw Ares in any of the trailers until it started doing the TV promotions. Uh, so, mm-hmm. they did really yeah. well, uh, so they did really well hiding the villain, because uh, it was almost like they were wanting you to think that... Um, um, Oh, I can't think Houston, of his name Danny now. Uh, yeah, Danny Houston. The general. Yeah, they was almost trying to make you think that he was uh, the, the villain. So I think that I think they've learned uh, from BVS. If they if they do show anything Superman related, uh, you know, maybe it's a cape glimpse or whatever. But they've made it this far. I think they can go uh, another trailer without showing him. Well, what do you think, Juan? I was just gonna say, um, I don't the the whole thing of what uh, Warner Brothers did with BVS. I don't equate that to DC movies anymore, mainly because the way uh, they promoted BVS in the beginning, you thought Lex was was the villain. Um, you thought majority of the movie was gonna be Batman versus Superman, and then sprinkled in Lex. There were toys that came out of Lex in the suit, so you thought maybe that would be incorporated into the movie. So the reason why so many people were upset when they showed uh, Doomsday is because no one saw it coming. Um, so once you showed it, it was just like, well, that's all the suspense from the movie right there. 
Um, so with, with Jeff, yeah, but what if they revealed that Darkseid was going to be in the movie and we all think Steppenwolf is a villain? Same type of concept, you know? See, I, see, I, I agree. But from what we're being told, there's no signs of Darkseid um, in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if that stays on par, yeah. I think we should kind of leave that BVS bad taste of, of promotion uh, in the past. I think they did learn their lesson. Like Cannon said, Wonder Woman was very well hidden until people who saw early looks started, you know, saying things, and then the TV promotion started coming out, and that's how that kind of got spoiled. But we already know the villain in Justice League. Um, I don't think there's anything they could show us that, would make us not be interested in it. Um, the main thing that uh, people should be looking forward to is to see the tone. Um, how How is this Josh Whedon um, edit version of the film? Now, how's that going to look from the gritty yet fun we got from the Zack Snyder trailer cut of the last two? Uh, Batman on a gargoyle, Batman and the team talking to Gordon, like, those are all, you know, a, a darker kind of uh, fun feel to them all. So I'm wondering how colorful and how different Josh Whedon's cut of that is going to be. But I don't think anything from this, this new trailer, um, whether it's next Saturday or wh- whenever, um, I don't think this next trailer will make me uninterested in it at all. Absolutely. I mean, you're probably right. I just, you know, it's, it, I'm going to have that fear with any movie for anything, honestly, because that's, yeah. I feel like trailers have a trend with that. But you're right. I think DC has smartened up a good bit. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think that a third trailer is always necessary just for the the, the mere uh, spreading out everything, right? So, the, like, the last piece of giant promotion we got was Comic-Con. And just to touch upon uh, that this is going to look different or that some of the scenes in the past trailers are not going to be in the movie, I hope that's not true. And I don't see how that possibly could be true unless the rumors were true about how this is going to be like an 80% reshoot, like it's Rogue One all over again. Um, I just don't think that that's a possibility. Like why release? Why release that trailer at Comic-Con if those, if those were not going to be in it? I mean, Whedon came on in, like, March or, or early April, and then Comic-Con was in July, so that was a bunch of months to shoot Whedon stuff. So I, I, I am hoping that what we saw in the second trailer, that Comic-Con trailer, will end up in the third trailer and ultimately in the movie. And in terms of spoiling anything like, the, the doomsday reveal and all that kind of stuff. I think they're trying to mimic what they did with wonder woman, a late last month push that was super effective because it got every it into the consciousness of everybody. Okay. Justice league's coming as opposed to absolutely late August, early September, starting it where it's, where it's way too late. Now you see toys in the store. That's fine. They have to do that to get people excited. You see Funko pops everywhere. Now what we're getting now is those, those character posters, Though the magazine covers, all of that is super important. And then you cap it off with a great trailer that gives you a little bit more story. The only thing that I think could be spoiled because you guys nailed it. Like we already know Stephen Wolf is the villain. So that can't be spoiled really. Um, the only thing that would be spoiled is a, uh, a shot of Superman and how he is 
maybe evil or maybe he they're not sure who Saudi's on or something like that, or uh, a possible Green Lantern showing up. Uh, I just don't think they're going to do that. I think they've learned their lesson, and uh, I'm super excited for it. I'm hoping it comes out at New York Comic Con. Now, we've heard that like executives got to see something like a week ago, so I'm hoping that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the whole concept with the trailer, I think it's, I, I feel like this is going to be a hodgepodge of different stuff because I don't think necessarily Zack Snyder's vision or anything that was taken out, although it wouldn't be a first time for a trailer to be put out with footage that's not actually going to be in the final movie. But, you know, until we actually see it, until we see the movie, we'll find out about how much of it is Whedon's and how much of it is Snyder's. Uh, probably just based off of cinematography and just knowing the uh, two directors. But, uh, Caitlin, how do you feel about this? I hate my phone. So, anyway, hi. Um, how do I feel? Um, I think I'm of two minds on it. Um, I understand that it's part of the hype game. Like, you know, uh, in comedy, in a lot of performances, you have a hype man. You have somebody who come out beforehand and get the crowd riled up and, like, get everybody excited. And I think that's what trailers are for movies. They're the hype man of, of the show. And, you know, honestly, like, I'm excited because, you know, it's an inevitability. It's going to come out. I, I, I really think they're going to do it. Like, um, hmm, how do I put this? Basically, I... I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I don't think that at this point they're going to kill their cash cow by by revealing too much or pissing off the fans. Um, they know what fuels the industry. It's the people putting their butts in the seats. So to go ahead and bite that hand, it would be ridiculously foolish. And, and I think they've been in this game for long enough. Comic book movies have been out long enough. They know their fan base better. Um, this isn't, you know, 2000 X-Men where, you know, they were like, oh, let's go our own way and, like, make Rogue a freaking teenager and, you know, you know not have Jubilee and, and, like, not have Gambit in there at all. Now you look back on that and you're like, whoa, that was really stupid, um, like, to not have those, those central characters um, because that's what the fans want to see. Now, you know, with... 17 years under the belt and, you know, a lot more time and practice, you know, they're, they're, they're honing their craft. And part of that craft is the trailer. They notice, you know, they've noticed over the years how important that trailer is to getting people hyped up, getting, getting the butts in the seats and, and getting good reviews. And I mean, because if your project is good, yeah, that's all well and good. That's great. You're going to have the people who are going to go see it anyway, like people like us who are fans or who, you know, are writing an article or, or what have you. Um, but they, they're also trying to reach, um, you know, a different market of people who don't know as much about DC and don't know as much about these characters. And, you know, Absolutely. so they're trying to get that mix. And I, I don't think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot at this point, uh, especially this late in the game with all the changes and all the, you know, Snyder and then, you know, uh, you know, stepping down, you know, because of obviously because of a tragedy and, you know, and having Joss Whedon step in and then all that controversy. Honestly, not to sound crass, I don't think it was crafted. I don't think that, that you know, 
they made it up or, or they, you know, but I think that the studio, because it's a business, they took advantage of that hype and kind of fueled that fire a little bit um, as far as the hype around, you know, Whedon coming on and everything. And then I think they handled it well, though, considering the reason why Whedon came on. I, I think they handled it in a very classy manner. Um, and that's that's another topic that was I just wanted to note that um, that I think they handled that passing of the torch Absolutely. in a very classy and and um, you know bravo to them and bravo to the studio for not making that into something worse. Um, I you know when I say take advantage, I, I don't mean that in a in an underhanded kind of way. I think they you know they were like, well, obviously we're going to need a new director how can we make this a positive as opposed to being just some DC versus Marvel shit fest? So um, they, they handled it very well. And, you know, you have some people on the outskirts that, you know, they're the minority. They happen to be the loudest, but they're the minority in this, in regard to, you know, having a huge problem with Joss Whedon coming on and, or having a huge problem with Zack Snyder being on there to begin with. Um, there are some people you just can't please. So, and those are the people that honestly, if I were a creator, director, producer, I'd just put up two middle fingers and move on. <laughs> you know, those are the people who are. You can't make happy, everyone happy at no all. No matter what. I mean, no. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think not. that all of them have to deal with that constantly. Um, Nick, uh, would you want to be Batman's hype man? Would I want to be Batman's hype man? I don't know if I can live up to that kind of job, dude. It's like you got to be like Cyber yeah, like, like that's that's a lot of pressure. I don't know. Like maybe you know, maybe like cyborg type man. Like I think I could live up to that. Like I'm not sure about Batman. Um How about Jim Gordon? Could be but, yeah, I mean just to just to kind of uh add on to all of what you guys were saying, well first of all, uh Caitlin, you know, the, the, the minority always is the loudest. Um and I, yeah, I agree with absolutely. you. I think you just to to uh what is it the M M&M and M line like I'm sitting here with two fingers on each hand up or one finger on each hand up like yeah you yep. just got to do that um and uh and as far as um the trailer I'm super excited for it I loved the last trailer I thought it was um excellent it had a little bit of a um uh uh shine down type feel with the reworking of the song that they used um but I didn't hate it it was okay um. And uh, and I love, like, some of the choreography, and I'm really excited to see what Joss Whedon does with the choreography because, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure we would all be in agreement that the best choreography over, like, a 45-minute span is the, the Battle of New York and the Avengers. Like, that's what made that movie was just that brilliant in choreography. Um and so I, I, w- I would really like to see what he adds to that. Um, as far as the, the trailer in particular, um, I don't think they're going to spoil anything. I mean, they may show Superman. Um, they've already kind of alluded to Superman um, with Alfred's line of, you know, he said he would come. Um, so they may actually show Superman. I don't think they will do any more than just show an image of him um, and, you know, all of us already know he's going to be in the movie, so it's not really a spoiler. I guess it may be a little bit of a spoiler for people who aren't as much in the know, but I don't think they're going to do anything more than that. Um, and I agree with everybody. Like, Wonder Woman did it perfectly. Um, I, you know, if it if it 
really, if that hadn't been for Kanan, I would have had no idea <laughs> um, for for the the reveal of um, of Ares. Um, but alas, Kanan likes to throw out his spoilers. Um, but yeah, God damn it, I mean, it, yeah, he, he, <laughs> it, it did hurt me a little bit. Like, <laughs> what did I spoil that? Uh, you did it in one of our private threads. You were like, hey, does everyone want to hear spoilers? And everybody else was like, yeah. And I was like, not really, but I didn't say anything. So <laughs> maybe it's my fault. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, yeah, no worries. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. I loved the last trailer. It was great. I loved the shot where um, Aquaman jumps on the front of the Batmobile. Like, I want to see more of that. Um, and honestly, I would like to get like a, almost like a little like 15 or 20 second closeout to the trailer of just like a really awesome tidbit of a well choreographed scene that Whedon did. Just throw that in there right at the end and then boom, you know, uh, Justice League, boom, you know, trailer ends. Like I, I just think that would really get the hype up. So yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with it. I can't wait to see it. Dane. All right. Yes. Juwan. I just wanted to add one. Um, Warner Brothers didn't consider last year's Comic-Con Justice League trailer an official trailer. It's only slated as, it's it's only listed as Comic-Con trailer. Uh, Their first official trailer was at this past Comic-Con. So we've only had one. They don't count the one from last year. They only count the one. No, 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 no. There was one. No, there was one in March. There you go. One in March. Yeah, there, there was the one, the one that yeah uh, we got the one in March. we were just talking about where yes. Aquaman so there was jumps a, on the front of the Batmobile. There was that one. one. It's was the first yeah. one. It's not right? like Daniel doesn't have credibility, <laughs> no, 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 but if Kanan no, no, no. says it, it's probably true. I'm assuming. No, no, no. There's, well, yeah, well, there's no, the Comic Con. There's the Comic Con one from two summers ago where uh, uh, Batman's uh, he, where the one where he says Arthur Curry, here you talk to fish. Right. That's it's not one. That's right. not a trailer. That's not a trailer. So then the and then there was another Yeah, there was another one where at the end Aquaman jumps on the, the Batmobile and then he jumps up in the air and attacks the Parademon. Then there was the Comic-Con yep. one. Yep. Okay, okay. All right. Hold on, yes. hold on, hold on. So this you're, will right. Be the you're right, you're right. You're right, because I'm just yeah, I'm looking the... at the way that – I'm looking at the way that Warner Brothers has this listed, like the exact way they have it listed. Um, the one two summers ago – um, they just call that the Comic Con trailer. Or then we have one. Then we have one from six months ago. That's the first official trailer. Mm-hmm. And then um, the one from the past Comic Con. They're they're calling that one a trailer also. So yeah. Right. So yeah. That, yeah. I, I yeah. Well, we're doing there, there's the one there. where there's the one where Bruce Wayne's all horseback and shit at the front of that one. That's like the first. That was yeah. the one in March. Right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was the one and I then there's the one for okay. comic. All right, guys, yeah. guys, chronologically, I, I have we figured this out? I love that we're all like oracles. <laughs> like, if there is a question, by God, we're going to find it. Like, somebody <laughs> in here is going to, like, get on, like, hold on, I'm getting uh, on the computer. Have, we should have had now. a pop quiz beforehand. Jesus. Oh, oh right, I'm just yeah, kidding. You don't, uh, but, yeah, you don't have to Google to know what the trailers are. Yeah, but um, <laughs> let's, let's back up for a second. Let's back up for a second. I actually forgot about the actual first topic, but it's kind of related. So um, one of the rumors is that it might be coming, this trailer we're talking about might be coming before a movie called Blade Runner 2. Um, and right now it's actually getting rave reviews. 
Jesus uh, Christ, you Dave, correct you're me, off the, Nick. You're you, out. You've got you're a hangover from here. the Michael Rosenbaum um, interview. What did you? Do I have control of this? What's going you, on? I'm so confused. I said you. I said you've got a hangover from the Michael Rosenbaum interview, and you're not thinking straight. So. <laughs> no, I just have a, Blade I have a hangover for tequila tonight. shots last night. We should let all the fans know that before the show we were talking about how I'm up in Canada and that we don't fight a lot, so <laughs> chill out. <laughs> well, that ain't the way we like do it down out. here in Georgia, brother. <laughs> out. No, but go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, please continue. <laughs> are, are, we done? are we done? Are we done? Are, are we, we done? done? All right. Okay, so Blade Runner. There's a fucking movie coming out. Um, <laughs> again, really good reviews. My main question for you guys is I want to know this because, all right, we have the original Blade Runner. I haven't seen it in years. It was a classic film. It has a lot of um, a fan love, if you will, uh, from from people. That? You know, and and the thing about the movie was when it was released, it did not make a lot of money. Actually, it got a lot of criticism, um, but the second one from Denny Villeneuve is about to come out. And based on the reviews, I'm just going to ask the panelists, uh, have you seen the original one? Is this motivating you to see the original one, or are you looking forward regardless to the second film from Denny Villeneuve? Uh, Nick, I think that you're probably appropriately someone to ask because I think you've seen the movie. I'm assuming, actually. Yes, I have. But it's one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever. And so if anybody out there has not seen it, go check it out. Watch the director's cut from 91. Not the final um, cut? Either that or, or final the final cut. cut. Or director's either, cut. Either, one, either one's fine. Like, just don't watch the theatrical cut. Like, there's like five different cuts of it. Any one you watch is fine other than the theatrical because they all cut out the, the boring monologue from Harrison Ford that you don't need, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, like, I, either the director's cut or the final cut or the ultimate cut, like, what, whatever. Um, but, no, it is, it is an absolutely outstanding film. I am so hyped for this. Um, Denny Villeneuve is my favorite director in Hollywood today. Um, Canadian. He guy did Prisoners. He did Sicario. Mm-hmm. He did Arrival, which personally I think was the best movie of last year. Um if you guys haven't seen Arrival, go check it out. Um I think Ryan Gosling overall had like it, I mean he's just one of my favorite actors in general, but I think specifically last year I think he was uh probably the best actor of the year. Um like I know he didn't win an award for La La Land, but he was in La La Land. He was also in The Nice Guys. Um I think his That was a beautiful uh, movie. Oh, the, yeah, the, both movies were terrific, and, like, his performance, his characters were so different in both films. Like, he really showed his range. Um, I, I love Ryan Gosling. I think he's a terrific actor. Um, and then, coincidentally, I also think that Amy Adams, who was in uh, Arrival, uh, which I thought was the best movie directed by the guy who's directing this, uh, had the same kind of thing. Like, that was one of the best performances of that year, and you couple that with Nocturnal Animals, and even, you know, Batman vs. Superman, the uh, the extended cut, um, where they actually gave her character something to do, and she, she did very well with it. Um, and so anyway, um, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait to see it. The fact that it's like, I think it's at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Like, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised at all because of everything that I just mentioned. Uh, a little bit of relief 
um, because you never want uh, like a follow-up sequel, especially one, you know, 30 years later to turn out to be shit, you know? Um, but I'm totally like on board with this. I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be every bit as good as the critics say. And it's just, I'm super fucking pumped. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I get that too. Um, yeah, no, and and the thing is, like, I remember seeing the first one and really liking it, but I just wasn't as enthralled as some people are that when they first uh, see Blade Runner. But I need to go back and watch the final cut. I've heard from many yeah. people. Okay, uh, what's, what's your Star opinion Wars. on it? I think that's another thing. I'm sorry, it's not Star Wars. Like, that's another thing that I think people have to keep in mind. It's a it's a more um, psychological sci-fi film. Absolutely. Caitlin, have you seen the movie? Oh, okay. Um, I have seen bits and pieces of Blade Runner. Like, I'm I'm probably going to get, like, booed off uh, for not having seen it. Um, like, all the all the way through what I've seen, I liked. Um, I'm, I'm with Nick in, in terms of what I've seen is very, very good. Um, I am going to go, um, you know, check that out. Um, to backtrack a little bit, um, and this is to further show my ignorance because I'm not a huge DC girl. Uh, I, I'm a really big Marvel fan girl, but um, who is Steppenwolf? I just wanted to get that clarified real quick. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I could clearly like Google. I could Google this. No, 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 no. You're, you're fine, Caitlin. Ass, but... I'll pass it right back to you too. Um, Steppenwolf is actually the uncle of Darkseid, who is also his general. Um, in his war, okay. if you will, at Apocalypse. So he's his higher oh, up. So okay. basically, through this movie, Darkseid sending his forces in to kind of like check everything out. What would that be called? A reconnaissance oh. uh, mission or some shit? Like reconnaissance. That. Yeah. Um, Retcon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's, that's okay. who he is. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm I'm, yeah, uh, I'm, sorry. I'm very I, interested I, in the sequel. I hear. Yeah. No. I like. I really, really hear. Like, I hear. Uh, Steppenwolf and I think of the band so um, I was just like what? <laughs> They're having like a 1970s, 80s band in the movie what? Um, so I could have easily Googled that but I figured it would be easier to ask and then that way people who don't know who Steppenwolf is listening out in our in our audience know who he is now too um, back to the uh, back to the topic at hand um, sequels um, especially like Nick said 30 years after the fact can go either really, really good or really, really bad. And especially if you're invested in that world from a, from a movie that, you know, like Nick, like really like he has a strong emotional tie to it. So um, I really hope it's good. Like I, like I don't want this movie to fail. I've, you know, what I've seen of it, you know, and obviously I'm going to go watch the first one first with the director's cut or the final cut, not the theatrical. And, um, you know, thank you, Nick. And, you know, I think that they owe it to people after 30 years to not, you know, not put forth a, a piss-poor product. When you have people like Ryan Reynolds, you have people like Harrison Ford, the, the chances of having – yeah, oh, right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got Ryan Reynolds on the brain. I'm sorry. Um, Absolutely. I, oh, I mean, who doesn't daily? Um, so when I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, this, looking at this cast list, how could it be bad? I mean, they would have to work harder 
to make it bad than to make it good. Like, because you have oh, yeah, a strong cast. So, like, I am very, very pumped for it, um, even being somebody who's kind of a layman in that area. Um, but what I love about being a layman is that I can see things with fresh eyes and, and just be like, oh, okay. Like, I, you know, and then I can talk to people who are seasoned fans and stuff like that and get their perspective, which is really, really cool. It's like going to somebody's hometown that you've never been to, and then they see things with fresh eyes because they're seeing it through yours. Like, they're taking you around town. They're like, oh, man, I haven't been here in 10 years. And, you know, they're, they're telling you about their own hometown that they live in, you know, parts of the, you know, their city that they haven't seen in years. It, it's the same basic principle. It's, it's really, really cool. And I like that it's a psychological kind of thriller as opposed to, you know, I, I do like well, action. But I, I do like the well, you know, you know what's too. what's great about it is that, and I think Nick was trying to say it is that it's not only a sci-fi movie, but it's a noir. It's a very, very much a detective yeah. story, if you will. Oh, I love uh, just, I love just a different noir. type of concept. Are you looking forward to this, Daniel, personally? And have you seen the original one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I um, I've I've owned it for a while. I uh, I just actually rewatched it um the other night uh i did the director's cut instead of the final cut final cut's a little bit better but um it's it's a good it's a good uh was it 79 no not 79 it's somewhere in the 80s right uh it's a good 80s 82 i believe 82 it's a good 80s sci-fi noir it is definitely a noir it's not uh, it's definitely not your Star Wars or or anything or Battlestar Galactica, anything like that. It is not that at all. It is a it is a gritty Maltese Falcon type uh, noir nice. space film kind of thing, right? So it's it's a very niche audience, and I think when we were we were first bringing up this this topic, it did not do very well uh, box office or critically when it came out. So the fact that it it has got a sequel is is pretty magnificent i think solely because of its uh cult following uh over the years and probably dvd sales and all that kind of stuff and merchandise whatever um when you have denis villeneuve uh involved oscar nominated uh director and you have ryan gosling and you have jared leto and you have harrison ford wanting to return to the project then you you probably have an ace in the hole and you you got a sure thing it's currently holding a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes a week out of release. So that's really, really telling about what this movie is, 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 is all about and what this movie is going to be doing. I don't see it moving very far from that. I mean, it after what, almost a month is, is, is still like 85 or, or 95, something like that. So these movies, when they're certified fresh like that, they don't drop very much. There's only one Rotten review right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so it gets me super excited about it. Um, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not a huge Blade Runner fan, but seeing Blade Runner and, and knowing who's involved in the movie gets me excited about it, and to hear these reviews get me super excited about it. I'm also super excited with all the Canadian references that we're getting tonight, including Ryan Reynolds and Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but just to keep in mind, I think that we've already said it's Ryan Gosling that's in this movie, and not our, our good Canadian uh, buddy uh, Ryan Reynolds. Just so everyone on the same page, Juwan. 
Juwan, um, have you seen the original movie, and are you looking forward to this face-off of reviews? And just in general, does it look intriguing to you? Um, to be completely honest with you, I have not. Um, everyone that I live with has seen the original, and they've spoken highly of it. I, act, I actually did not have interest in this until so two things. One, um, I saw the trailer. Well, let me go first. I'm sorry. First, when I found out Ryan Gosling was going to be a part of it, there's not much Ryan Gosling does that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and then once I saw the trailer, uh, I'm one of those guys to where I don't think I necessarily need to see the other one to get this one. Uh, if I'm wrong, tell me. Um, I just felt like I could go in there and see this movie. Because from, from the trailers, it just feels like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just really excited to see it because I love Ryan Gosling. I've uh, heard nothing but good things, and this could be what kind of um, kind of uh, pushes Kingsman out of the way. I think this is going to be a huge box office hit. Um, I think Kingsman was kind of caught in the, the trap of it and now uh, Blade Runner. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this based off of not really the critics, but what I got from the trailers. And then always hearing Nick talk about it. So that definitely <laughs> built um, – that definitely built the hype up for me, so I, I'm excited to see it. And uh, FYI, fun fact, it has already, pre-sales have already outsold Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. So that's wow. another very positive wow. sign for the movie. All right, well, yeah. let's hope that Blade Runner uh, 2 lives up to uh, everything that we, we have heard. And I'll have to go back and definitely check out the uh, old version. You know, I, I love uh, older uh, movies. I'm not just you know, obviously the comic book films, but I've just never got a chance to really get attached to this, this whole entire now franchise. So hopefully it, seeing them back to back will definitely make me on the whole Blade Runner train. But uh, who knows? Let's keep on going with some more DC talk, guys. Uh, Wait, there was a Kanan? great article. What's that? I, I don't think Kanan went, did he? Uh, Kanan told me, uh, Kanan hadn't seen the film, so he, he bowed out. Anyways. Uh, we're going to go Sorry. to the uh, next Can thing. I jump in for one um, second? Sure. Just want another fun fact. Ryan Gosling, also Canadian. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> you got both Ryans. All right. Keep um, you coming. So on, so on the Vulture uh, website, we had an article called DC Rethinks Its Universe from Abraham Reisman. Uh, great article if you guys want to read it. Like I said, it's on the Vulture.com. A uh, little bit of a plug, I guess, but based on the article, it was uh, between Jeff Jones and uh, Diane Nelson, who are two of the, the figureheads in charge of everything. And they were explaining that, you know, we have this huge DC universe, and their concept going forward is it's more about the individual films than trying to connect everything chronologically. Like, yes, we have a Justice League film, and those will probably be your, your, your big event film, if you will, going into it, but you're not going to see a lot of characters interact between their individual movies, like Wonder Woman, and, you know, it sets up a future to try new things. They also brought out the fact that they have a new line of movies coming out, uh, obviously including the Joker origin story from Martin Scorsese's uh, producing uh, concept, um, and that, that will be more on the side, and they're going to continue trying these stories that are not a part of the main continuity, but even the main continuity, these movies will be able to serve for themselves, instead of having to be a part of a whole, you know, uh, being confined of, of having to stay in the story of what's going on. Which, honestly, I don't think it's a DC or Marvel thing. That's a comic book thing. Uh, you know, in comic books, 
they'll, they'll, they'll put out uh, a, a Batman story at the same time the main uh, event story is going on, and they don't connect, but they're just telling you the story. So I like the concept of bringing it up. I don't think there's any problem uh, the way Marvel's doing it, but I like that they've realized that they're putting too much stress on making sure everything's connected. Um, do you like this approach, Juwan, and do you have uh, a lot of uh, hope for uh, them you know, going forward with this type of approach? Um, I think this is a good approach to to go with. I mean, like, like you said, it's it's you know makes sense comics wise. Um, but I did want to add, you did say somewhere in there that it said um, it was saying it didn't want to have like if it's a Flash movie, it doesn't want to necessarily have other characters of the Justice League in it. You were saying that, right? Well, yeah. Basically, you don't you, you don't have to like. Um, expect cameos and stuff that will be keep on setting up the overall event going on, uh, like Infinity War, basically a build up to that. I got you, because it, it just makes me think. Because there was huge rumors, and Kanan can speak to this, that if the Cyborg movie was to happen, Flash was supposed to be a cameo in it. But all of these things are so well off that anything could change between now and then. So it kind of washes what I was the point I was trying to make there. But yeah, no, I completely understand that. Um, I completely understand that. I don't think that um, they should have to rely too heavily on having to connect a bunch of things uh, for solo stories to work. Uh, I'm completely fine with that. Each of these characters in the Justice League have rich stories of their own. They don't have to connect to anything. Um, Wonder Woman didn't really give us a setup to Justice League. It just was a Wonder Woman story, which was great. Um, you know, it did have that little nod to Bruce Wayne in it, but we didn't see Bruce Wayne, which is perfect. Um, you know, it, it was its own movie. It didn't have the stress of setting up anything or, you know, a scene at the end or anything like that. It was just its own thing. And I think more superhero movies should kind of take that formula and not really have to rely on each other. Just solo movie, solo movie, then whatever the last solo movie is before a big team-up movie or just save it for the team-up movie. Uh, so I think it's a really good formula, and more superhero movies going forward should definitely uh, stick to that. Absolutely, and and I mean technically, this is something that Marvel has said that they want to do after um, Infinity War that they felt, you know, kind of confined. Like Kevin Feige wants to be able to branch off his Marvel movies afterwards, and not necessarily have to worry about a big story. Uh, event coming forward to make sure all of them connect into each other and stuff like that. So all around, I think well, this is a smart approach to now change the direction of comic book films. What were you going to say? I was going to say the biggest issue is, and we were all talking about this a while ago, a big issue on, on when you connect these films the way you do movie to movie to set up a bigger movie, for example, in Infinity War, we remember how that trailer started off with a certain guy from Asgard landing on the Guardian ship. Now, a lot of people yep. were going into Ragnarok thinking Ragnarok means death of all. We could have Thor die and maybe come back in Infinity War. But now that's completely blown to shit. You know what I'm saying? And yep. it kind of takes away that, you know, that mystery to some people who may not be privy to, oh, well, he's definitely going to be in there or whatever, or, or the story behind Infinity War or anything like that. So when you connect movies like that, you kind of do ruin some areas of suspense or surprises or, or things oh, like that. So it's good absolutely. when they stand on their own two legs. Well, and, but I think that maybe with that specifically, I think that 
you know, since the Avengers trailer happened at, because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't released the actual trailer. That was at Comic-Con. No. So with that, you know, they might put that right before Thor. Well, still, that's going to ruin it no matter what. I don't know. I actually, that, that, that is a question. Nick, do you like this approach too? Do you think this is a smart idea for DC to do and also, uh, coincidentally, for Marvel to inherit after Infinity War? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely do. I think I think all of the studios right now are kind of taking a page out of Fox's book, which is really hilarious because if you had said that two or three years ago, we would all be dying laughing to say that studios were going to be looking at Fox as like a, as like a blueprint of success. Template. Um, yeah, but I mean, after Deadpool, after Logan, I mean, which were both individual stories that didn't really connect to the overall um, ongoings of what was going on. I, I mean, I mean, I really think that that is kind of the way to go. And I think I'm glad that you brought up, Dane, the fact that Marvel is trying to, has already said that, like Kevin Feige has already said that he wants to kind of not have phase four necessarily be phase four, just kind of have these individual movies. Um, Cause I think he even sees the writing on the wall and and I think the biggest thing with Feige is he sees the fact that you don't want to get comic book fatigue, and I think Jeff Johns is kind of that kind of same person. He's that kind of um, that visionary who can see what's coming before it's actually there, and I think he's getting a, a step ahead of the game as well, and I think it's just good for the, the, fact that, the fact that Fox has had a little bit of success, and I don't necessarily think that Fox was necessarily visionary. They were just like, yeah, let's do a Deadpool movie. Sure, let's do a Logan movie. People love Wolverine. We'll try out Deadpool, see what happens. And then they just lucked into the success. And like now you see these, these other um, execs who are, who are you know, manning the front of their respective properties saying, let's, let's look ahead. Let's not try to do too much of what has been successful uh, for the past eight, nine years. Let's look and see what we think will be successful going forward. Um, and furthermore, I also love the fact that both DC and Marvel um, are, are kind of getting away from having to be um, chronological the whole way through. Like, you know, we heard Captain Marvel is going to take place in the 90s. Obviously, Wonder Woman took place in the, you know, uh, early turn of the 20th century. Um, and you're going to have, you know, maybe a, a, a Joker origin movie, which is obviously going to, you know, predate this. Like, all great things. Like, anything you can do to enrich the universe um, is great with me. And if that means going backwards in order to go forwards, then do it. Like, just, like, that's perfect. Just add to the universe, and it doesn't have to be this cookie-cutter blueprint that the MCU created um, that has been very successful for them but may not continue to be successful if it's just, uh, you know, kept on with the same uh, same principles and, and not elaborated upon and, and, and made more create, let people who are creative be more creative um, by giving them the reins and letting them uh, write different stories that take place at different times that you can just, you know, say, well, this exists in the universe, but, you know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily tie into all this other stuff directly that we've already set up. And I think that Wonder Woman is great. And I think Juwan is hundred percent correct the way that Wonder Woman um, tied everything in into the DCEU um, was perfect. Like, 
it, it, it perfectly set up the film. It was a little Easter egg that tied into BVS, but it wasn't overdone. They didn't have to overdo it. It just, it just fit with the film, and that's what's most important to me, just make good films. Right? I don't know where Dane went, but yes, <laughs> you're absolutely correct, uh, Nick. Uh, Kanan, what are your thoughts? I. Yeah, Kanan, what are your thoughts? I... Well, I, I mean, I, I read I read the article and and I and I've tried to kind of you know dissect it the last few days, and honestly, I, I kind of look at this as Justice League being like the phase one of and kind of like the end of phase one, like that's it. Like I think they took these four movies, even with Wonder Woman to a degree, uh, you know, with the you know Bruce Wayne and the picture and everything, tied back into Batman v Superman. And I think these first four movies are going to be. Uh, I think that I think that'll be it for this phase. I think they'll continue to have the the DC universe. They're going to kind of let the directors and the writers kind of like make that decision if they want to, you know, because even Matt Reeves has said, you know, like it's a, you know, it's a standalone. It's not, you know, he didn't really mean like it's not in the universe. I think the pressure is going to be off the directors to kind of world build. Whereas like, you know, y'all been saying in the Marvel cinematic universe has all been building up to Avengers infinity war. Every single movie has some kind of tie in either with them saying something uh, about the previous movie or another character being in the movie uh, or several characters being in the, you know, in that movie. I don't think you're going to see that so much going forward with DC. I think they want these movies to be focused on the the main character themselves. But, you know, say they, you know, Wonder Woman 2, if they want to talk about Superman, that's fine. That's up to Patty Jenkins. If they want to, you know, Man of Steel 2, if they want to, if, uh, the director says, hey, you know, let's bring The Rock in for a cameo as Black Adam, that's fine. But there's not going to be any pressure on them to have to do that. And so it's kind of like, hey, we still got Absolutely. the universe. Yeah, it's like, but we we still got the universe going. You know, we haven't abandoned it. But there's just going to be, we're just going to focus on this movie and then it'll lead into the next. You know, you know, they had Man of Steel. They even had, you know, they threw in the, the Bruce Wayne tie-in with the satellite. Uh, and then they just jumped right into BVS. I think they're going to kind of just take it slow and, and just focus on uh, the movies. It's not going to – I mean, I think some people are panicking like, oh, they're just abandoning it. It's just going to be standalone movies. Uh, no, I don't think that's the way they're going uh, with that. I think they're just saying that we just want to focus on Wonder Woman or Aquaman. But if James Wan wants to talk about so-and-so, okay, that's fine. But there's not going to be an emphasis where, like, Kevin Feige's like, Hey, you have to put uh, so and so in here, or yeah, you know. Yep. Uh, so I think that's where we're going with it, and I think that's fine because I just want to have good DC films, and I want the negativity to stop. So yeah, no, I mean I think we all want that, and I also liked what Nick was saying about you know with this whole entire thing, it frees up the directors. Uh, you know, now DC is not so much about getting involved with. Every film, they're letting everyone be creative, and they don't have to worry about everything going 
And, I mean, look, if you look at BVS, it's a direct sequel to Man, uh, Man of Steel. And that's cool in a lot of aspects, but also it's a lot of pressure to make sure everything's lined up perfectly. And I think they were actually trying to shoot for it a hell of a lot more than even Marvel was. Uh, Daniel, are, are you excited also about this news, about the new approach? Um, yeah. There, so in that, in that article, they mentioned a couple things. So the first, first thing I want to address is the fact that it's, not officially called, or they're saying that they never officially called it the DCEU, DC Extended Universe. If they're just going to call it DC Films from now on, I don't know. Like, I don't know if anybody caught that special before Suicide came out, Suicide Squad came out, where Kevin Smith and uh, Jeff Johns were showing everybody what they were trying to lay out for the DC Universe. Um, but yeah. in the background, there they they had a, a like a giant background that said DC Films. If they're calling it DC Films. That is so much cleaner than DC Extended Universe. It's just, it just sounds nicer. I mean, I really don't care either way as long as they're making good movies, but I think it always has been called DC Films, and I, I, I happen to really like that. The second thing that's in uh, the article, if they are going to go the standalone route, not just like not acknowledging anything that ever happened before, whether it's Justice League or Man of Steel or anything like that, but they, they just want to focus on Aquaman and his story and they just want to focus on the Flash and his story and all that kind of stuff, that's absolutely fine. Robert Meyer Burnett always says, serve your story, serve your characters, don't serve your universe. That's what Mm -hmm. you have to do to make something successful. And I think we saw the opposite of that with The Mummy. They, They wanted to set up a universe even before they had a successful franchise or interesting characters. Right? So... Uh, if they're going to do this, absolutely. And I like the idea of Justice League closing out a phase one, if that's what you want to call it, and then and then kind of starting anew and saying, okay, you know what? We have characters people like. We have a tone people like now. Now we can focus on story. Now we can focus on characters. And I think with Aquaman, you're going to have a great jumping off point because James Wan is a fantastic director and I don't think he's the type of person to let a studio push him around so I believe them when they're saying that they're going to be filmmaker oriented so I think Aquaman's going to be a great jumping off point it sounds like the flash is finally trending in the right direction and anything that comes after that whether it's Suicide Squad 2 whether it's Gotham City Sirens whether it's Batgirl with Joss Whedon I think all of those are going to be really well done and we're hearing that uh, uh, Sandberg is doing uh, Shazam that he, and he said, it, it, it originally, we heard rumors that this is going to be separate. So I think that it, it's all starting to come together. And, of course, that's the theme of Justice League. So I think after Justice League, we're going to see a big boom, change. Boom, boom, a boom. good change. Not, exactly. Not, not, not a big change. Not, not an abandonment of everything they've done before. I think they're going to serve the story, serve the characters. And that's going to be very important. I think they're going to be successful in that. No, and I, I agree with you, and I also like you talking about the DC Extended Universe. To me, I don't know why that was ever the name. To me, if you, anything, you, you name DC Extended Universe your media company, and you have a picture of ev- your, your multiverse of all the characters within your movies and television and cartoons as a culmination of the DC Universe itself. This should be the DC Cinematic Universe or DC Films. I like that. It's, it, just, it, it seems more proper. Uh, Caitlin, how do you feel about the approach going forward for DC? Um, I think that, you know, I, I think it's a good move. I, I think that they're they're really listening to fans and really making a conscious effort to, to move forward with some, you know, fresh ideas that 
um, ultimately have, have proven to work out and, and they're expanding their universes. They're, they're making them, you know, more story rich and, and deeper and, and giving people more stories. Like, I mean, that's what people want. They want the stories they're like, you know, in comic books, every time there's like a huge crossover event or, you know, you've got like 15 different titles and like 20 different issues and, and it, it gets to be kind of a headache after a while. Like sometimes people want a standalone issue. They, they just want a standalone uh, solo story that, um, you know, brings more depth to the character is, is a new perspective and, you know, doesn't necessarily have to do with a team. Um, a lot of these team driven, you know, events. Yeah, they're fun. But I think after a while, you know, you can have too much of a good thing. So I think they're trying to avoid that. They're they're trying to avoid that burnout. And uh, yeah, I agree with you all is, is to, you know, just make it more stories. The more stories, the better. The, the more access to these, these characters, the better. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can't go wrong Absolutely. with it. And like... Like like Nick said, I I agree with you know with what Nick said that uh, you know they're, they're kind of taking a page out of Fox's book and uh, and like he said five years ago we would all been you know laughing our asses off at that concept mm-hmm. but um, even a year ago which is, is really cool yeah, yeah, yeah but it's even proven successful ago. now like that's the thing it's yeah. great that, that's crazy yeah and and I love that I I love that that change that that ability to to be able to look at somebody you, you kind of might have might have eschewed before and, and been like ah they don't know what they're talking about and then you know and people who aren't fans Absolutely, of yep. Fox can you know at least you know a blo- broken clock's right twice a day so that's my thoughts and you have to no, see the light on the like, horizon absolutely yeah. well, well the thing is Nick talking about it, even all right you think about Marvel one of their most successful films throughout the whole entire course of this was Winter Soldier. And yes, it had ties that happened later on and stuff like that. But it was a self-contained political uh, thriller, and it definitely showed that. With Logan, you had a a, a Western. And I I, I think it's more important to make a good film. Well, I think all of us think that, but I'm just saying than worrying about an overall – if that was like that in the comic books, if they were just worried about the event, that's when you get horrible comics. Is like all the off-branch ones that have to like tie into it, and then they don't end up even being that great of a story, so they were like worthless to read. But I, I like this news. I, I think it's good going forward. Here's another thing I think is uh, good going forward. Our next uh, topic tonight. Uh, just want to talk about there was a Danny Elfman report that uh, apparently he's thinking about bringing in some classic themes involved. Um, now, a lot of people, I just want to get, before I go into talk to each panelist, uh, a lot of people are, are freaking out, but I just want to mention the quote of what he exactly said before we go into this. Um, so basically said, you know, let's do a John Williams Superman theme, and that was, for me, heaven, because now I have a melody to twist, and I'm using it in actually a very dark way, in a, in a dark moment. It's the kind of thing that some fans will notice, some won't. It's a moment where we're really not sure whose side he's on. All right, so keep in context of the, of the quote itself, uh, just, just getting down to that, that concept. I do think the, the bringing back some of the classic themes, obviously a lot of people will know Danny Elfman is the one that made the Batman theme. And the, the idea of being able to potentially hear just a flair, if you will, of the classic Danny Elfman Batman theme while 
you know, uh, that was in not only the movies but the animated series, while Ben Affleck's Batman is actually fighting to it, is cool. But I don't think that you should get too crazy uh, thinking that we're going to hear direct, like, you know, stuff. I think it'll be a highlight. I, I, I think that it'll be like a, a hint or just like a throwback or a little nod, if anything. But it could be different, and we could be getting more. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel about this? Uh, well, I, I have to say I was pretty excited about it. I talked about it uh, in one of my most recent videos on, on Infinity and Beyond. And um, When they brought Danny Elfman on, uh, I know Joss Whedon worked with him on, um, on Avengers. Uh, it was it Age of Ultron, I think? And it was Sylvester yes. for the original Avengers. Um, Danny Elfman is amazing. And when they brought him on, and I and I knew obviously Batman was involved, and 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 what uh, what he did for for Burton's Batman, I was like, maybe we're gonna hear something that we find familiar because that Batman theme, whether it's in the first one or the ending scene, the ending scene uh, of Batman '89, when that when that theme chimes in, um, when Commissioner Gordon turns on the uh, the bat signal for the first time, is fan. Fantastic! I absolutely love that scene. It brings tears to my eyes. Uh, um, if we were to ever hear that, I, I would lose my mind in the theater. Now, do I think we are? It's probably a very, very low chance. But you have to wonder if that's a possibility, especially after what he's saying about the John Williams thing. So I, 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 I agree. We, we can't get too excited and hope that we're going to hear the entire John Williams theme when Superman shows up. I think he's going to tweak it similar, similar to the way that Hans Zimmer tweaked the Man of Steel overture uh, in Batman versus Superman. He made it a little bit darker. He, 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 it, it was more of an emotional emotional theme as opposed to the one in Man of Steel, and he kind of blended it with what was going on with Batman. So I think it's going to be a tweak. We might hear some like a, like a certain portion of it, because he said some fans will notice it and some people won't. So it, it's not going to be a gigantic overture, and we're like, oh my gosh, Superman's back, and we're hearing the John Williams theme. I don't think that's going to happen. It probably won't. Um, but you have to wonder if he's thinking about that for the John Williams theme is he thinking the same thing for the Batman one? Because like I said in my video, and like I said here tonight, it would, it would, it would bring tears to my eyes to see Batman on screen. Ben Affleck, my favorite Batman and my favorite Batman theme together. You're going to make me cry. You're getting sweaty, Daniel, aren't you? That's a little sweaty right now, aren't you? That's it. That's it. Geeking out and stuff. Uh, Juwan, um, are are you also, do do you think that we're going to see too much of this or do you think that people are blowing this out of proportion a little bit? Well, people always blow it out of proportion. Um, I, I honestly don't <laughs> think it's, it's much to be worried about. I don't think it's much to be worried about. So, all right. Um, Kanan, how do you feel? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, what's it's a sensitive subject, so just gonna have to pass on me on this one. All right. Well, I guess no one's really excited about the fact of seeing Batman and Superman's old theme in there. Uh, Caitlin, are you excited um, about this possibility? I am. I'm a huge music fan, and uh, I'm especially I love classical music. I love movie scores. Um, I download them. I listen to them. You know, 
good score can make or break a film. It can add uh, depth that, can, you know, um, you hear like, you know, booming bass and, you know, uh, you know, bass drums and, and, you know, you're like, oh, something exciting is going to happen. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, big name like, you know, Danny Elfman, big names like that, you know, Savelstri and, and uh, Zimmer, uh, Hans Zimmer and, and uh, John Williams, obviously, uh, big names like that, you can't go wrong. They're, they're, they're masters. Like they're yep. to movies what what Bach is, you know, to you know, to to that century. My history is a little fuzzy right now because uh, uh, because I'm fuzzy today. But yeah, Baroque and you know uh, uh, during the uh, I want to say the Romance era. Um, so yeah, I think in that's when the Baroque that's period was. Yeah, that's the, that's the Baroque period. I mean, that, like you know. They're they're to movies they're they're classical you know artists and within an entertainment movie genre which I mean and those are the yep. heavy hitters and um, I think that people blow things out of proportion if you said the sky was blue and and they would be like well actually like okay I mean like, do you, do you hate Life, like Jesus, just calm down, take it, take it as it is, and and move on with your damn life. Like pay your bills and and just let it, let it happen, you know. Well, actually, um, just this week the sky is red, so. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> a good point. That's a very at, good point. Well you, well, you look at that meme. What was it? It's uh somebody you know doing something, and uh you know, bitching about something and then the other person like like shuts the other person's mouth with their fingers and they're like, Let people enjoy things. Like mm-hmm. let people enjoy mm-hmm. things. Like shut mm-hmm. shut the hell up and move on so with basically, your life. Basically and, uh, on yeah, both sides of it. It's much ado you're about basically nothing. saying like Yeah, much ado about nothing. Yeah, you're you're just saying like you know if people want to think that this is going to be a big deal, let them think it's a big deal. If it's not a big deal, or if it's not really going to be anything, then it isn't. So who cares? Either way, you know. I mean, that, that's Absolutely. a very good point about it. Nick, would you like to see some of these classical, uh, these classical? I mean, they are. They're these classic they themes, though. John Williams theme for Superman, and then you know Danny Elfman's original Batman theme. Just maybe even just a portion of it, or or, or a teeny little splinket, if you will. Yeah, great use of the word splinket, by the way. I like that. that was, <laughs> is that even a word? So, I don't know, it but that now. was terrific. Like, yeah, that's that's a like that's a word now, um, at least on this show. Um, no, I, I love the idea. Um, and, and by the way, uh, Caitlin, um, the sky is actually not blue. Um, it is just a reflection <laughs> of the atmosphere. Uh, sorry, I was doing my, my, my best Christian Harloff there. Um, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally geeked. Thank you. Um, I'm totally geeked on this. I love it. It, it certainly reminds me of, um, uh, I think his name's Michael Giacchino, um, mm-hmm. who did the kind of reworking for Rogue One, um, which I was not a huge fan of, um, uh, from Giacchino, uh, but he, he, obviously we all know he was under like a, a four-week deadline or six-week deadline or something like that. Like, he came on last minute. It was a, it was big. Like, a, he, he did fair enough for the time he had. Um, but the fact that you, you, you have 
uh, a theme that is not like an opening theme. Um, the fact that it's it's going to swell up at some point in the movie, it's, it's different than Star Wars. It's not going to be as pertinent that it be the actual theme, like the verbatim, like note-for-note theme. Um, But I I like the idea of it. I love it. I think that, you know, the fact that Danny Elfman, he's not one of those... I don't put him in the same category as John Williams and maybe a couple other people. You'll mention a few. Um, Just because Danny Elfman plays to the the background a little bit more. Like, I'm not saying he's not like a fabulous... Um, composer because he is, um, but John Williams blum, like blum, 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 makes, blum, blum, blum. John Williams makes a character out of music. Like that's what he does. It's it's remarkable yeah. what he does, and really Absolutely. nobody's in his league. It's like saying that it's like saying that oh well you know I I really like that band's fog hat. They're really good. They're like almost like the Beatles. It's like no, dude, they're not. They're like they're the Fog Hat's a great band. I love Fog Hat. They're like they're not the Beatles. Like come on. Um, so like uh, you can't compare him to John Williams, but the fact that he's going to be taking like these little subtle themes and the fact that he is such a good composer and can rework them, it's almost like what can he come up with with having like something there already, like some John Williams greatness already, and even his greatness with with the Batman theme, um, and and like being able to kind of like pick from those and mold to those and everything else, I think it's terrific and I can't wait to like see how it all kind of fits together and works out. Um, because like Caitlin said, like a great score completely uh, elevate a movie to a point that that movie had no chance of getting Absolutely, to without yep. that score. Um, and I think Danny Elfman, like with his, what he's saying here with his ideas of, of what he wants to do and everything else um, and, and his just kind of raw talent, like those two things combined could make some some brilliant uh, some brilliant score work. And I'm super excited. I can't wait to see what or hear rather um, what he comes up with. What if it's like some classical tame jazz? Uh, that would be completely different from the uh, lead of Oingo Boingo. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I love Danny Elfman, and hopefully yeah. we see some. We, we, we see some highlighted stuff, um, and uh, let's go to the next topic. We are leaving D.C. Everyone waves goodbye. We are actually going to Biden. Sony. Uh, actually, yeah, we're fucking going to Sony. Uh, they had a pretty big thing come out. Uh, apparently, the female lead that might be in the Venom uh, spinoff is Michelle Williams. Now, if anyone only knows Michelle Williams for Dawson's Creek, go watch some fucking movies. That's all I have to say. Michelle Williams is a very accomplished actress. Uh, in several films, I think I think the best ones. I mean, she was up for Manchester by the Sea. I don't remember if she won or not. She was in Blue Valentine. Um, she's been in a bunch of movies. If she's very picky, I should say, about picking roles, and for her to be wanting to be a part of this, and you know, we don't know who he's playing, but Riz Ahmed is 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 uh, you know going to be in this movie along with Tom Hardy, who I consider you know one of the best actors of this generation of actors. The fact that I'm still scared uh, about the fact that it might not be connected to the Spider-Man that we've got with Tom Holland is is getting less and less now that I'm hearing about this casting news of such an amazing stacked cast that, once again, I think with this Venom, it might be a very similar thing to Logan in which that they're worried about making a good movie first 
and then worried about continuity or continuity. So I have no clue if that's exactly true or not, but I'm very excited regardless. Juwan, are you excited about potentially seeing Michelle Williams join this cast? I am, and I agree with you. She is a really good, um, a pretty good actress. I did want to say this, because that, that casting news is pretty interesting. I was thinking about something more along the lines of what you were going about on, you know, if this doesn't connect to the MCU. I saw this somewhere, so I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like this is completely my idea. I just don't remember where I saw it from. This is going out on a huge limb, but what if, since we know a lot of Infinity War and possibly Avengers 4 takes place in space, how do we know Peter doesn't get any semblance of the, um, the symbiote on him by wherever they come across in their space battle somewhere on a planet somewhere or something like that? I think there's still a loophole they could use to loop Venom in. It's just the the sense of will Sony play ball with Venom the way that they did with Spider-Man. And if they do, that's a very easy way for a lot of the guys who are like, well, I don't like that Venom's coming before Spider-Man even has his black suit. They could find a loophole around that by just having him come across it in space somehow and, um, you know, connecting the dots from there. But that, that interested me when I saw it. I was like, he could possibly come across that shit in space, and then they kind of loop it in and connect whatever dots they need to that way. But the, the casting news is very interesting. But I just wanted to throw that way out there logic out oh, – not logic, but idea out there just to see what you guys thought on it. No, and I, I, I'd like, not only do I like the idea, but I've been thinking that too, is if all they would have to do, and I mean, yeah, there should be an interaction between Eddie Brock and Peter Parker, obviously. But if you wanted to try to separate it, you would only have to have, I mean, in, in Secret Wars and uh, Marvel, that's where Spider-Man on the random planet uh, found the Sydney. So if you, like you're saying, do something very similar to that, where you don't even have to show it, it just kind of crawls into his suit and then leaves him you know, at the end of the movie, and you, you just get those two Easter eggs, it, it, it attaching on his suit, and then it leaving him, and then you can kind of go from there. I think that's a good way to kind of, uh, you know, if you're not going to directly tie it in, give us just that little flavor. Regardless, Nick, are you excited about the cast itself, Michelle Williams, if she's an addition to the cast, and even what Jawan was saying about possibly that being a way to connect the films? Uh, yeah, um, well, first of all, um, I, I, I said that, <laughs> Jawan, um, that was me, um, I, I brought that up maybe eight months, uh, eight weeks ago or something, when, when Tom Hardy was first cast and we were talking about our ways that we would pitch up in a movie, that was, um, that was the, kind of the way that I said that would be great to do, like, have, have, uh, Tom Holland's character get it and then, um, have him uh, relinquish it at some point uh, within the movie and then just have Tom Hardy get it and then have maybe Peter Parker mentioned but never show up or, or you know, something like that. But, yeah, no, I, I love that idea, obviously. Um, as far as the cast, I absolutely love this cast. Um, I, I think uh, – um, I don't think anybody, like – that's that's uh, our uh, younger than us. Dane like remembers Michelle Williams from Dawson's Thumb, <laughs> but uh, 
But hey, yeah, I don't uh, want to wait for our lives to be over, Nick. I want to know right now, well, what will it be? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel you there, um, and Eric Cartman does too. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I, <laughs> I think she's she's known for a lot, lot more now. Um, I think uh, if anybody is interested, she does probably the most spectacular performance of Marilyn Monroe that I have ever any like cultural figure that's ever been like like I think the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that would capture her performance of Marilyn Monroe would be um Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday. Like those two type of performances are just on a whole nother level of portraying Once um, in a lifetime uh, style performance. Yeah, exactly. And she does a great job. I I I apologize, I cannot remember what the movie's called, but just Look up Michelle Williams' Marilyn Monroe, and the movie will come up. It's absolutely terrific. Um, I My think Week Eddie with Redman Marilyn. Too. My Week with Marilyn, that's it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Eddie Redmayne plays um, the, 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 the main dude. Yeah. Um, it might it might not be him, but I think it is. Um, but nevertheless, like, yes, I'm super excited. Tom Hardy, like you said, one of the best actors in Hollywood today. Um, but just, I've... Uh, gone on and on about Tom Hardy. Um, you know, y'all all know how I feel about him. Um, I love Michelle Williams just as much. And, and Riz Ahmed, Ahmed is just a terrific actor. He Every little performance that I've seen him do is, is splendid. And uh, if y'all haven't seen The Night Of, um, HBO miniseries, um, yep. he's in that and he is ridiculous. Ridiculously good in that. Um, I highly recommend it. All of these people are just top-notch actors and, and an actress, and I, I just can't wait. Like it wouldn't matter, like what the movie was. If you gave me those three people are gonna be in a movie <laughs> together, I, I would just be like, all right, dude, I'm in. I'm sold. You could tell me, like seriously, I I watched the movie with Tom Hardy driving in a car for 90 minutes. Just talking on the phone, and it was terrific. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like with these with these yeah. actors, it's going to be great. And the fact that it's going to be a Venom movie, like I, I honestly, I don't care if it ties in with anything. I don't give a shit. I, it doesn't matter. It's like that's like these actors it, together all coming together to to do a movie. And and never mind the fact that it's a Venom movie. Like one of my all time favorite antiheroes. Sign me up. I'm so pumped. Well, that that's that's one of the things that's really cool about this is that it's got everyone was was pissed off and freaked out about the fact that this might not be connected to the MCU, and now people are saying, screw it. I kind of just want them to have this connected or or kind of make a hint of being connected as much as the Netflix shows. So yeah, if even if they don't do that, like you said, with the cast that they have in place, this is going to be an incredible cast. I would like to know who Riz Ahmed is playing. I know that there's been rumors that he might be playing Carnage. I don't necessarily see how that's that that would make sense. There's also rumors he might be playing Chameleon. Um, we do know that uh, Cletus Cassidy is going to be in this movie. I just think that if if you're going to have unless you completely redo the character, if you're going to have a racist, psycho, murdering redneck named Cletus Cassidy, you might want to pick someone that could uh, not you know, portray that role a little bit more. Waylon Goggins comes to mind uh, right off the top of my head. Someone, Walt, yeah, someone Walt that and, has Walton Goggins. Yeah, yeah, not a tomato not tamale. A, um, Henry, Henry Hay, or whatever, you know. What you Linux, saying? yeah, 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 yeah. Harry, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Daniel, uh, seriously, how how do you feel about this news? Uh, are you excited about possibly seeing Michelle Williams part of this? 
Uh, absolutely. When uh, when you think of Michelle Williams, you think Oscars. So if if somebody told you, hey, uh, or if if uh, if the news came out on Variety or from the Wrap or something like that that Sony is packaging a movie with Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams, you'd be like, oh, okay, this has got to be some kind of drama or this is going to be a historical uh, Oscar Oscar bait type of movie. And then they tell you it's a Venom movie, you're like wow, okay, this is very, very different because uh, he is a heavily Oscar-nominated actor and he's a fantastic actor. He absolutely disappears into his roles. And Michelle Williams is of the same caliber, if not better. She has four Oscar nominations. She's never won, unfortunately. She's been nominated for Blue Mountain, Blue Blue Valentine, My Week with Marilyn, and Manchester by the Sea uh, this past year. Um, she's fantastic. And when I heard this, I was like, okay, they have me now because this has to be legit. Tom Hardy's not just going to jump on some movie. Uh, Michelle Williams is of the same caliber. She's not going to just jump on some movie for the paycheck. Uh, and, and plus Riz Ahmed. And everything you guys said about Riz Ahmed is absolutely spot on. The Night Of is fantastic. Everything that Tom Hardy's done is fantastic. And, and, and Michelle Williams is of the same caliber. I like the idea that Peter Parker somehow brings back the symbiote in Infinity War. And I think it would be a huge missed opportunity if they didn't use that. I mean, they could touch upon it. I mean, we don't have to see it in Infinity War. We could hear about it in a background news report in the Venom movie, uh, how the events that happened in space, uh, just like the, uh, the uh, talked about the event that happened in New York in Daredevil, um, uh, something, something along those lines. I think it'd be a huge missed opportunity if they didn't use Infinity War to bring to bring Venom into uh, uh, a cinematic universe, whether that's Marvel or Sony. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. People that are sweatier than I am, wasn't Venom a guardian of the galaxy at one point? Yes, he was. Absolutely. So no, again, but it's uh, that, that's a different. I mean. It is yeah, not flash. Eddie Brock that's flashing Thompson. Flash Thompson's version. That's a part yeah. of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. And we have Flash Plus Thompson. Plus, uh, was a part uh, of yeah. Tony Revolori from Homecoming. I'm hoping that he stays out of the Sibdia uh, for... I, I think that he's good for what his role is, but I don't know if we're going to actually see him suit up. Like, imagine if they were like, all right, Tom Hardy's our Venom, and then Tom Hardy leaves. Okay, so Tony's going to take over for the role now. I, I just don't know if yeah. we're going to have as much Yeah, appeal, no, that but, wouldn't be good. But uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, Kanan, how do you feel about this? Well, as far as Michelle Williams being cast, I think it's I think it's huge. I think if you and uh, Daniel touched on it in the latest edition of Geek Vibes News that I mean this shows like a true commitment from Sony, uh, the director, the uh, the screenwriter that. If they, you know, Tom Hardy being on board, Riz Ahmed, and now Michelle Williams, they must have something stable. You know, they must have something that these actors and actresses are like, hey, you know, this, you know, this sounds pretty good. This could work. I think the whole thing is, is this movie really going to be anything involved with Spider-Man or, you know, the MCU? Which I don't, I don't know so much about the it being involved with the MCU because I think Spider-Man's only really got. Uh, what three movies left? He's got the two cameos or the two Avengers movies, and then the follow-up to Homecoming, and then Sony gets the rights back from what they've said. So I don't know that they would even 
uh, entertain the idea of Venom being in that world. So, I mean, I would definitely love to see Spider-Man in that world. I don't want just a spin-off Venom movie with no Spider-Man at all. But, I mean, it's got a stacked cast. I would love to see Riz Ahmed play Carnage. Um Unless they can, you know, unless they just have hire someone else that just blows us away, uh, I think he would. Uh, I think he'd be perfect for it. Uh, I know a lot of people may not feel the same way, but I thought he was great in Rogue One. I think he's a. I think he's a great actor. I think, you know, the movie really should be about, uh, you know, Tom Hardy. But the Michelle Williams cast is huge. She's a great actress. Um, and I even was reading articles earlier that are saying that you know, the movie is like, she's going to steal the spotlight, like, just because of her, her acting range. So, no, I mean, this movie's stacking up, man. For a movie that I really had no interest in, I'm like, okay, you know, I love Tom Hardy. Riz Ahmed's a great actor. Now they got Michelle Williams. So, like Daniel said in the Geek Vibes News earlier, like, there, there's something there. So, you know, they only need, we only kind of need to see what the story's going to be about. Uh, you know, maybe Sony, at least, uh, you know, hit the home run. I'd like for them to hit a grand slam with this, but it's definitely got me a treat. I, yeah, and I, I will I actually, add really quick. Go ahead, Dane. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say, I just to add to what Dane, <laughs> I was going to say to add to what Dane was saying. Um, I hear a lot of people saying they'd like uh, Riz Ahmed to be um, Carnage, but you'd have to completely change who Carnage is. And I just don't think you, you should for that. Uh, if they do, I'm not one of the guys that's going to say I don't want to see it because he'll do an amazing job. But I think they really need to do their due diligence, find someone that actually fits who Carnage is from the comics and, and cast someone of that cloth than to just give it to him um, uh, and completely change who that character is. I do think the certain characteristics about Carnage are important it's kind of what makes carnage. So I think you kind of need to stick with that. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's as simple as saying like his name's Cletus Cassidy. I mean, I don't even <laughs> mean to say that with like that deep of a Southern accent, but for Christ's sakes, that's, that's the man's name. So it's, it would be a very, very weird interpretation. I don't think it's not that I don't think Riz Ahmed could do it. He's an incredible actor. He could definitely do it. It just, you would have to really take the character in a very different direction. Um, but who knows? We'll find out. I definitely think that there will be an extension with uh, Spider-Man being a part of the MCU. I don't. I don't. I think that that we know that it's gonna. Their contract's technically ending. But if they're both making money off of that, I don't see Marvel and Sony parting ways. I think that was the whole reason they brought Marvel into the fold. But once again, that's something I have to wait for. Caitlin, how do you feel about Michelle Williams joining this cast? Do you think that's a good step in the direction? And are you excited about Venom more because of it? I would say I'm definitely excited about Venom more because I was kind of me to to begin with because I mean like obviously I'll go see it and and probably enjoy it. Um, yeah, I like Spider Man and I like that universe and I think you know as we discussed before with the standalone films, um, you know they're they're successful. I mean it's been proven that the formula works. Um, you know it's really cool to see big big names like Michelle freaking Williams. I mean. I, it speaks for itself. You know, she, you know, I, I don't need to sit here. And I mean, you all have already, you know, uh, gone through a resume. I mean, it, Michelle Williams is a name. Uh, she's not just the Dawson's Creek chick, you know, she's, she's a, a wonderful actress. 
so, you know, you take somebody like that. You take somebody like Tom Hardy, who I would honestly, I would sit and watch with a bowl of popcorn and be riveted if he read the phone book. You know, he could sit there and read the freaking phone book to me, and, and I would just be like, yes, tell me more. I didn't, you know, you didn't, you missed this area code. Um, and, uh, like, good Lord, like, he, he's amazing. And um, so, yeah, and, and I don't know much uh, about, uh, uh, what's his last name? Amen. Riza, Riza Ahmed. Ahmed. Is that, yeah, I didn't want to say it wrong. Um, as far as Cletus Cassidy is concerned, I, I mean, let's just say it, like, you expect, like, a racist, like, southern white dude. Like, that's, that's what you expect. So, to put Reza Ahmed, who is obviously not a southern white dude in that role, um, it would be an interesting take. Uh, racism certainly exists within all cultures. I mean, and prejudice exists within all cultures. Unfortunately, yeah. It, unfor- oh, unfortunately, yeah. No, it's, I mean, I think it would be an interesting take. I think it would be an interesting way to look at it. I don't know who he would be, like, racist towards. Uh, you know, maybe he's racist towards white people. Who knows? Like, I mean, it, it just depends. It depends on what, how, well, or they could, like Juan say, have to kind of just, start from the ground up and just totally reinvent that character, um, which I think would be a bad move. Um, you know, I think that absolutely yep. already having it as a, yeah, having it as a standalone and then reinventing a character, that's too much change. People, people don't do well with change psychologically. They, they would have a hard time, you know, you know, being comfortable with it being a standalone movie outside the, the Marvel universe. To begin with, and then you throw something else like that, like having Riza Med being, you know, Cletus, like, whoa, <laughs> it's a little too much too soon. Like, baby steps. Like, let people get, you know, comfortable with the water, um, you know, before you start, like, putting boiling acid inside the pool. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it would be very uh, interesting take, but probably not for this movie. I think it would be too much too soon. And uh but I'm I'm definitely more intrigued now that I hear Michelle Williams, you know, and I was already intrigued because Tom Hardy. If you haven't seen his most recent film, um uh Dunkirk, uh go see it. Oh my god. It it's just uh it, it makes me emotional. Like it's it's just a beautiful biopic. Um Chris Nolan, I mean, it, you can't get any better. Yeah. Um, I, if Absolutely. I were to have anybody, yeah, if I were to have anybody do like a historical biopic on anything, I would want it to be Chris Nolan, like, I mean, across the board. So in any case, yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely more intrigued now knowing, you know, that they've got some heavy hitters, like they, they, they pulled out the big guns for this. And it means they're not screwing around. Like they're, they're, they're here to make a damn good movie. And, uh, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, um, I'm very excited too. I, I, you know, the thing is, I'm, I'm thinking about Michelle Williams. I don't want to fan cast. She's probably not playing anything like this. But since they are making somewhat of their own extended universe in Sony, there is part of me that wonders if she's actually going to be Felisa Hardy and they're going to introduce her character within this. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm just saying she could definitely play Black Cat. She definitely has a look to her. 
you know, like the Marilyn Monroe type of look that they could definitely apply if they wanted to for that character. And it, it makes it would make sense that an actress as big as herself would be doing something outside of that. It's just very strange because she seems very much. I mean, I don't want to put anyone on the same acting level, but like a Leonardo DiCaprio in a sense that she wouldn't do something like this. So it's very interesting. I, I'm very curious what the script's like on this, and I can't wait to see the movie just based on that. But let's continue, guys. Uh, let's go into our next subject. Um, we're going to go to a little bit of MCU news. Uh, I'm assuming that you guys saw the pictures of both Ghost and, and Wasp on the set of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, they were very, very awesome. Uh First up, actually, let's go to you, Caitlin. Um, did you get a chance to see his photos at all? Uh, no, actually, I haven't yet. Um, I've, I've been, as you know, I've been laid up uh, with uh, kidney stones. And uh, you would think that with that uh, being the case, being laid up in bed, that I would have more time to research things on the Internet. Unfortunately, I do not. <laughs> like, because... You know, in, in between, like, the, the belt of crippling pain. Anyway, to, to make a long story short, no, I have not. Um, am I excited about the movie? Yes, but I'm I'm not going to jeopardize anybody's time talking about something I don't know much about. I will definitely go look. I am excited about the movie because I did like Ant-Man in general, and um, I loved that movie. I think Paul Rudd and, you know, Michael Douglas were amazing. But, yeah, uh, not to take away anybody's airtime, but I, I'm excited there. <laughs> that's that's my answer. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're completely fine. <laughs> Juwan, did you see the pictures? Uh, yes, I did. And I'm looking at them now. Um, I'm really, I'm as weird as this is going to sound, really hyped for this movie. And the reason why I said as weird as that sounds is because I was not a fan of the first one. Uh, weirdly enough. Blast for me. The, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. I really wasn't no, a fan at all. Um, not not to slander the movie at all. I'm not one of those guys that's going to tell you it's it's horrible because I didn't enjoy it as much as others. Um, I'm really looking forward to this second movie though. I will say the brightest spot was the villain out of the first one, but from the photos, excuse me, it looks like this movie is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the ghost looks really, really, really awesome. And Wasp, I love the, the attention to detail they gave this costume. Um, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to actually see the first trailer. You guys know how I am with trailers. I need that trailer. Um, but her costume does look great. We saw a couple of behind-the-scenes photos of the, uh, her in costume, and I can't wait to actually see it in action, especially with, I think, Michelle Pfeiffer is her mom. So, but, yeah, as far as the behind-the-scenes photos, it looks great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see, Daniel, what did you think about these photos? Um, it's a, it's always hard to tell for me when it's, like, not an official release or something like that. Now, they've, ha- they've had an official release of a lot of Wasp photos, and I have to agree with everybody here that she looks fantastic in that costume. Um, I think it's a little bit different from the costume that we saw at the, the end credit sequence from the first movie, um, which I was a fan of. Um, but the costume does look really good. Uh, I'm not too familiar with the ghost character. I'm not too steeped in uh, Ant-Man lore, 
But uh, from what I can see, it looks pretty good. I'm sure it'll be completely different when we see it in its full form in the movie, a lot more polished, uh, maybe some CGI, all that kind of stuff. But uh, everything I've heard and, and seen from, from Ant-Man 2 uh, excites me to, to, to get back into that world for sure. Cannon, are you excited about these photos? Are you looking forward to seeing Wasp, Wasp around and Ghost, uh, Ghost around, I guess? Yeah, and as someone who really didn't enjoy the uh, the first, well, not not that I didn't enjoy it, I just didn't think it was that great. A lot of people uh, that I talked to, they love Ant Man better than um, even some of the more popular um, uh, MCU movies. But I, I just didn't really think it was that great. Uh, I thought it had some good moments. Uh, definitely Michael Douglas being one of them. But uh, Evangeline Lilly looks amazing. She's just really gone all out for this role. Uh, you know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes photos of her working out, just the the shape she's gotten in. Really? I love her suit. Uh, yeah, I, I love her suit. It looks, to me, it looks better than Scott Lang's. Uh, I just love the design on it. I love the color scheme. Um, actually, uh, I'm with Daniel. I don't know too much about the, the villain ghost, uh, but... I think it's going to be interesting. I hope that it's a much better villain than what we got in the first Ant-Man because Yellow Jacket was a complete joke. Uh, But this cast is amazing. Uh, You know, Paul Rudd is a great actor. You've got Evangeline Lilly, you know, uh, Michael Douglas. uh, Lawrence Fishburne is going to be in this movie. So he's kind of temporarily jumping sides. Uh, And then, you know, you've got... um, uh, I think T.I. and them are coming back, I mean, for comedic relief. But, no, I mean, this movie, it, Marvel to me, I think, their first movies are kind of, eh, you know, like kind of, except for Iron Man. I love the first Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man 2 kind of went off. But, I mean, Marvel's really done well with their uh, with their sequels. Well, I guess maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't really care for that. But, no, I am, I am very interested in this movie. Um, so... You know, hopefully, hopefully we find out a little bit more about, uh, you know, the villain with the trailer. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I can agree with you on that. Um, I, I feel though, you know, when you were you're talking about Yellow Jacket, if you applied Corey Stoll's uh, character, I'm telling you, it might sound crazy, but that to me is what I wish Lex Luthor was in the DC Cinematic Universe. That exact performance, that exact style. Not so much in the suit, but like the, his, his bravado. It very much reminded me of uh, the Clancy Brown animated uh, Lex Luthor. And uh, I'm going to keep on saying a million fucking times, I hope he ends up playing Lex Luthor on Supergirl. That will happen, but I can keep on hoping. So, uh, hey, calm, cool, and collected. He was perfect. Exactly, man. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Drinking his brandy, you know, just chilling. Uh and then there's Jesse Eisenberg, and I like him as an actor, but not so much as. Anyways, we're not going to go back into that fucking shit. Let's go to the next we topic, could. guys. Let's talk a little bit of excellent. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not. We're not. We're not talking about Jesse Eisenberg. He was originally supposed to play the Riddler, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I'll just keep it at that. Uh, and I also don't like trying to discredit him as an actor because I think he's a good actor, but just not for Lex Luthor. For me, I understand people out there that's getting mad at me. That he's playing the birthright style like Sleuther, okay? Can we just have done, if we're going to do the normal Batman, can we just do the normal fucking Lex Luthor? All right, see what happened? See what happened? Because <laughs> I went on a tangent. And that's not cool. Larry. Let's talk about some X-Men stuff. 
God, getting angry. There's a Dane rant about to start. By the way, you, you guys will be seeing that soon. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Wink, wink, nod, nod. Guys, we got an X-Men. Uh, so basically, Olivia Munn was interviewed um, recently, and I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is she stated, and I don't know if it was an accident or if it was a screw-up, that X-Men Phoenix is going to be a two-parter. So that, to me, makes me, if they're going to do the Phoenix Saga, give it enough time, make it a cosmic epic. Yes, I could, I could definitely see this uh, you know, needing two parts to get it done. The bad news is she's coming back for Psylocke. So, you know, you got, you, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not going to say that I hated her too much. I think Olivia Munn's actually a decent actress. She was good in Newsroom, the uh, episodes that I saw. Uh, there was one year I was pissed off to find out that um, the gentleman from that – oh, man, I, the guy from Dumb and Dumber won over uh, Brian Cranston, I yeah, think Daniel. it was, and I wanted to find out. But, yes, uh, and, and Newsroom's actually a great show. She's good in it. And for some reason, to me, she just did not uh, – Psylocke just didn't work for me. Uh, so, actually, I, I know, Caitlin, that you're a huge uh, X-Men fan. Uh, are you excited about seeing the potential of having them in a two-part Dark Phoenix movie? And are you excited about Olivia Munn coming back to play uh, Psylocke? Okay, so uh, you are right. I am a huge X-Men fan. Um, you could get a freaking doctorate in, in X-Men history um, if you were so inclined to not make any money. Um, so in any case, uh, <laughs> am I excited? I, I have a, a Phoenix tattoo on my ankle. I'm excited about Phoenix. I, 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 love, I love Phoenix. However, uh, two-parter, like, God dang it, man. Like, I am, I am so sick of these two, three, four – you know, half my damn life parters. I'm getting older. I quilt and I watch Dick Van Dyke. I don't have a lot of time left on this earth. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm 30, 32. But, um, you know, I've got plenty of time, you know, knock on wood. But uh, so when it comes to that, I, I, you know, I'm just getting sick of it. I'm sick of them, you know, drawing this stuff out. There is a lot of story there. I'm not going to lie and say there isn't. There is a huge amount of story there. I hope that they do justice by it because I think that would be the only reason to have it be a two-parter is to tell the original damn story, not make her into a freaking schizophrenic, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, dry humping Wolverine within the first two minutes of the film. Like it's, you know, there, I really want them to do some credit to that character. Um, you know, Jean Grey is a very complex character and, and, you know, you add the phoenix, and that just makes her even more complex. I think they did a really big disservice to her within The Last Stand. And, and I think most people who oh. even know a little bit about Jean Grey would tell you that. Um, so, two-parter, am I going to go? Yeah. They're, they're, they've got my ticket. I mean, that's, that's, it's going to happen. Um, but on, on the flip side, I'm not totally jazzed to have to go sit in a theater for four hours of a film uh, on two separate occasions. Um, but as long as they do right by the story, uh, I'll be, you know, I'll reconcile with it. As far as Miss Olivia Munn, I, I like her. I've read her book, Suck It, Wonder Woman. Um, I, you know, she's funny and she's a nerd and she's a woman. So yeah, I, I, I 
can identify with her on many, many levels. However, I, I think she jumped outside of her niche um, way too quickly. Um, I think she was, uh, you know, she G3, uh, I believe. She was, she was a contributor for them. That's how she got her start. And it's I think G4. she was great on that. G4, I'm sorry, I'm wrong number. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I enjoyed watching her on that. I, I think she's very funny, very she's got a very fresh outlook. She she's a great face for, for uh Absolutely. For nerd women. Um I, I think she you know, she's become an icon in that care uh, that category. Unfortunately using the word icon, I hate it when people do that, so I'm being a little hypocritical. But no, I love Olivia Munn in that in the correct context. Um, having her there in G four, having her as as you know a journalist, as you know a comedic actor, um, actress rather, um, you know writing humorous you know uh, um, autobiographies. Yeah, I'm on board. Humorous memoirs. She's good. She she's very good at that. You throw her as. Dialogue in a movie that's supposed to have a serious tone has a lot of depth and a lot of story, especially Psylocke's having a lot of depth and not exactly, she's not, not funny. Like Psylocke has never in the history of ever been funny. No. You know, so I like, I think they just, they looked, no, no, no. They looked at her and they were just like, oh yeah, she looks kind of like Psylocke. Let's put her in there. And, And and it, they get did a disservice to the character, and I think it really screwed with her career um, because it sent that message out there like, oh, I'm ready to do more in-depth, you know, work, or I'm ready to, you know, expand my repertoire. There is nothing wrong with with knowing your strengths and sticking to them, um, you know, or at least working yourself up to, you know, reaching that that height of like Michelle Williams where you can play many different roles um, you know or more serious roles um, with with finesse and ease um, that that takes a lot of work um, I think she jumped into it way too quickly if she was ever going to be good at it you know who's to know now because she, she it overextended herself and she, she's outside of her her niche so to speak and, and I think it was too big of a jump too quickly um, I like her as a person. I, I, you know, from what little I know about her, I don't know her. Um, I, I like what she stands for. I think she, she's she's good at what she does generally, but Psylocke ain't it. So, and, and I don't see Psylocke bringing anything much to the Jean Grey Phoenix saga that we need. You know, it's a movie about Jean Grey. Like, aside from Psylocke being a telekinetic as well, Cool. I'm sure they're going to find some way of, of uh, figuring it in. But, yeah, I do agree with you. The one thing that I think that caters towards the two movies, if they were to do this, with as much storyline, I'd rather them to be able to get an event like this in two films than to screw it up by trying to make it in just one film. Uh, you know, unlike Days of Future Past, and obviously you know that, Caitlin, uh, with, with Dark Phoenix, it's a longer saga. So, you know, Days of Future Past was a much shorter storyline. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about this whole entire thing? Uh, well, I'm going to try to be as quick as possible because I know we're short on time. Um, I got three things to say. Number one, uh, as far as G4 girls go, uh, hashtag Team Morgan Webb because uh, Morgan Webb is just, just – <laughs> she's, 
She's the one, dude. Morgan Webb is the one. Like Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb is G four. Like no no offense to Olivia Munn, but it's Morgan Webb. Um, but anyway, as far as her being shot, it's fine. Hey, you know Morgan Webb for life, bro. Uh, but yeah, uh, as far as Olivia Munn uh, being uh, Psylocke, I'm I'm fine with it. I do kind of agree with Caitlin in that I don't know if that was necessarily the right casting. Not that. Um, not that Olivia Munn can't uh, portray good characters. I just don't know if that was the right character for her. Um, you know, maybe a little bit out of her league. Like, I don't know, maybe, say, if somebody cast Charlie Hunnam as Green Lantern. Uh, I'm sorry, Green Era. But anyway, um, uh, moving on. Um, oh, as far <laughs> I had to. Um, as far as uh, the film being split into two uh, parts, I like that idea. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it is a saga. The biggest thing to me is how they're going to address um, uh, Jean Grey already having the Phoenix Force in Apocalypse, because obviously she did. I think there needs to be some kind of flashback sequence in which she um, sort of has, there's an ode to the comic books as far as her uh, praying to a higher power and saving a group of people, i.e. in the X-Men comics, she, uh, the, they're going down in like a, a space shuttle. She prays to a higher power. The Phoenix Force comes in, um, saves all the X-Men. Um, you know, they, they crash land, and she arises from the water as the Phoenix. Um, I think there needs to be some kind of ode to that and a flashback. Um, I really want to see that in the in the first part, um, and I want the first part to be a buildup as far as the Phoenix Force and, and, and basically, you know, maybe having Professor X finally discover that she actually has a separate entity and not think that it's just part of her and then have some kind of catastrophic catastrophic event at the end and then have the Dark Phoenix be the second part of that saga. I think that would be the way to get. I think that's a great idea. And we do have to mention, or I should mention at least, remember, just because it's came from Melody of Mun's mouth, we don't know if this is actually verbatim going to happen it has not been officially said this is going to be a two-parter but from what we know based on this conversation she might have revealed some information that no one knew beforehand daniel how do you feel about this information and uh olivia Munn coming back uh, i'm going to keep it quick as well this is the first i'm hearing of it tonight so i'm just kind of mulling it over right now uh first and foremost uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Couldn't care less about any of the new X-Men movies that are that are coming out. I, I, I'm not excited about them at all. Hopefully they're good. That would be awesome. I hated Apocalypse. I, it was all right, Daniel. Giant... Well, uh, it was nice having you tonight. Um, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, <going>. guys. <laughs> giant, giant step down from Days of Future Past and everything else they were doing. So I'm glad that Singer's not part of it anymore. So that's one thing. But... Uh, to to uh, have Sophie Turner heading up this giant storyline, I don't think is the right choice. I don't think she would rate Jean Grey. Uh, so I think that they're taking a giant leap. Simon Kinberg's directing. Now he knows the X-Men universe better than a lot of people, but he's never directed anything in his life. So that's also interesting. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. I'm not interested in any portion of the X-Men universe except for Deadpool. So we'll see what happens for that. Maybe Maybe New Mutants. Uh, in terms of Olivia Munn, once again, not great in Apocalypse. Not sure why they're bringing her back. 
great on G4, great on the Daily Show. I'm pretty sure she was on the Daily Show too. Um, she was uh, the newsroom. And then uh, the worst thing she's ever done in the entire universe is break up with Aaron Rodgers. Who would ever break up with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, so she's just a terrible person. So I'll leave it at oh, that. Oh, God. Daniel, Daniel, you talked about football on her show, and you made fun of the X-Men franchise. God damn it. Right. I like this, I like this guy way. already. I'm just saying. And Nick's on mute. All right, Juwan, uh, let's go with what do you think? Um, she was definitely the wrong choice. Uh when they were casting Psylocke, but I do have to give her a little bit, uh, you know, I have to play devil's advocate here, obviously. No one else will. Um, give her a little bit of slack. Uh, the writing for that character was horrible. Um, I don't think whoever you casted as, as, as Psylocke would have been able to do much because it was just poorly written for that character. Um, but I do think other people deserve to be Psylocke over her. I just have to give her a little bit of slack on that because uh, we do sometimes forget how um, how important screenwriting for for characters are. Uh, and if you're not if you're not given much, it's kind of hard to give a lot when you're given uh, very little. So you give her a little bit of leeway with that. Um, the movies being uh, spread into two is definitely something you have to do. It's so much story to tell. Um, I will say after watching some of Game of Thrones, yes, I've started it. Um, I like Sophia Turner. Wait, what? I liked her in, yes, I started Game of Thrones. Um, conversation for another day. Anyway, I, I enjoyed her in Apocalypse. I enjoyed majority of that cast. Again, I think writing was a huge issue of that entire film. Um, it's very rarely you can get, I think it's Oscar Isaac and make him look bad. And Apocalypse tried their very best to do so. Um, yeah, and even so Fastbender. Like yeah, and even Fastbender. I agree. I like majority of that cast. I didn't have an issue with the cast. The movie itself is what was bad. So, um, Sophia Turner, I thought was pretty good. I wouldn't argue with Daniel or Nick if you guys were like someone else should have had that role. Um, if you guys could, because I can't really think of anyone else. I'm sure there is someone else that could have been better suited for it. But I think for what she was given, she did a pretty good job. Um, I don't blame the use of the Phoenix Force this early on her. I don't blame, you know, certain things that were kind of off with Jean's character on her. Um, I think as far as acting, she did a really good job. Um, you know, so I'm completely fine with her being the face of these next, these possible next two movies of the X-Men franchise. Um, but as far as Olivia Munn, she definitely shouldn't have been, but I do have to play devil's advocate and give her a little bit of slot. I, yeah, no, I, I agree with that, that, that sentiment. I mean, I, I think that I don't know why Jamie Chung is playing Blink on uh, the uh, X-Men TV show. I think that she should have been Psylocke, personally. I think she has more of that presence, and I think she would have. I just it, it, It's like what Caitlin was saying. Olivia Munn is a funny actress, and she's playing a character that doesn't have a lot of humor in her and is much known more for action. So it's, it's a very interesting concept. But, uh, yeah, uh, Kanan, how do you feel about this? Well, I like the idea of them splitting it up into two movies. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I think the Dark Phoenix Saga has to has to be a almost like a two part movie uh, for it to to get the full emphasis. I don't think you can really do it in a a two and a half hour movie. Um, you know, Olivia Munn coming back as Psylocke. I 
I don't know how much she's going to be in it. I agree with Jawan. I don't think that film was uh, uh, Age of Apocalypse was written as uh, as well as it you know could have been, uh, especially with that cast. I think a few of those uh, actors kind of you know phoned it in, but I think that um, I like Sophie Turner. I think she was not terrible in. Uh, Apocalypse. I think that you know she's great on Game of Thrones, so I think she'll mature as Jean in the Phoenix movie. But I mean, like I said, I, I'm not going to throw any well, shade at Olivia Munn. I don't think she's going to be that big of a role. Uh, but the writing was terrible. With a good script, maybe she can do better. Uh, maybe she as well will mature into the role. So. Uh, I, I guess it just depends on where they want to go with the character. Maybe they don't feel like they're going to go too far with Psylocke. So, I mean, why really bring in anybody huge to play her? I mean, as a comic book fan, we want our characters done justice. But, you know, I love Jubilee, and they've shit on her for every movie that they've had <laughs> that she's ever been in. So, God. I mean, why stop now? I mean, <laughs> I, I think they're just going to f- focus on Gene and, and uh, Xavier and you know, some of the other mutants and just go from there. I think, well, I think one yeah. person everyone's forgetting, uh, Kanan, uh, that I think that you'll probably agree with is that, yeah, Sophie Turner is obviously the lead in this. But Ty Sheridan as Cyclops is going to be just as much the lead, and he's going to be in Ready Player Absolutely. One. Uh, he was amazing in Mud. I think Sophie Turner is a great actress, but I think she's going to be surrounded by other good young actors her age too. So, you know, I think it will be a combination of, of everyone's acting force within the Phoenix Force. There you go. But uh, I'm going to yeah. pass it to Juwan so we can close out the show. All right, yeah, that's been a great show, guys. We have a few uh, minutes left, so I just wanted to give the audience the news of what's going on with the GVN moving forward. Um, first things first, uh, we will be interviewing Jeremy Ray uh, Taylor from the movie It on Tuesday. Uh, I believe that's 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. So make sure, you know, everyone listening tunes into that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to pick this kid's brain um, about that hit movie. Uh, and I think it's the highest grossing, what was it, horror film ever? Didn't it pass? Ever. What is it? It beat The Exorcist. Ever. It beat The Exorcist. Yeah, ever. And I just saw it today myself, and I love that movie. I was just telling the guys it's in my top 20 most definitely. I love that movie. Um, and he's definitely one of the, the breakouts of it. I really loved what he did with, with his character. But um, even bigger news, uh, Geek Vibes has a whole new schedule with our shows. Starting next week, Wednesdays will be catered to Full Court Press. Thursdays will be catered to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And Sunday, we are moving Geek Vibes Live from Saturday night to Sunday night. So starting next week, when you look out on Saturdays, we will not be there. We are now Sunday night. Same time, just different day. Um, We'll also be adding in more shows. You guys already know what we have going on with Daniel on YouTube. Um, And we also have a new show, Watchtower. Um, so definitely make sure you're checking out Geek Vibes News and The Watchtower. Those are two great YouTube shows. And as Dane <coughs> hinted to, uh, uh, Dane's Rants will be back. So everyone who's <laughs> been wishing for that, that is coming back. Dane's Rants will be back. 
So, again, uh, make sure you're tuning out for that. And, again, next Sunday will be Geek Vibes Live, not Saturday. We completely changed the days of our, our hit shows. So, thank you, everyone. Make sure you go back and listen to that great Michael Rosenbaum interview that Dane and Joel just had and get ready for our Jeremy Ray Taylor. Um, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Kanan. And thank you, Dane, for hosting the show. We had a great show tonight. We will see you guys next Sunday. Please do not forget, not Saturday, next Sunday will be an all-new Geek Vibes Live. Hell yeah. Coming straight out of Compton, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. Good night. (laughs)